Well, hello, welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy! And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Army of the Dead by Zack Snyder. Before we do that, <laughs> but I want to tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games, uh, and we like to talk about movies, and we like to talk about TV, and we especially like to talk about my boy, my my one true love, Zack Snyder. <laughs> Um, he has a new movie that came out this weekend, uh, called Army of the Dead, which was a, like, a Netflix project. Um, they, they, you know, they hired him to, to, to make this movie. He wrote the script. He may, he probably wrote the treatment and then has, like, some sort of screenwriting credit. So this is actually a pretty, like, heavy Zack Snyder film compared to some of the other ones, which obviously had, you know, different screenwriters or, um... Or whatever else. It's a return to zombie form because the original, like the the big Zack Snyder movie that put him on the map was Dawn of the Dead, I think in 2003, which was written by James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy fame, actually. And, um, and I don't know, people have been talking about it starring Dave Bautista and a bunch of other people that I don't, that I don't recognize, but specifically Dave Bautista. It is a two and a half hour epic of a movie. But, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> That's one way to describe it. Yeah, so let, let's give, I guess, our uh, our uh, pre-spoiler impressions. Uh, uh, you, you go first, since, since you're the Zack Snyder fan. I enjoyed it quite a lot, but in a mediocre way for Zack Snyder, if that makes sense. I wasn't as insane about this as I get about, specifically, like... BVS and Man of Steel, both of which I think are very like those are those are films that are um, thoughtful in a way that this one kind of isn't all that all that much. Uh, or Watchmen was another good example. Like those are my like big three Snyder films. I don't think it's in that tier, but it reminds me a lot of like uh, you know kind of like 300. Even Zack Snyder's Justice League is sort of in this tier of just sort of like it's not doing anything crazy. It's just kind of a fun ride to be on, and I just enjoyed my time with it um part of it is just that like this movie has a lot of things that i wanted from it if that makes sense um because i would otherwise think the, the I, I kind of feel like the zombies are played out they're uninteresting i've thought this for years to be honest um and i feel like if you were to attract me to a zombie movie you have to do things differently and I mean, the dead absolutely does things differently, and it's a kind of neat genre fusion between both a heist movie and a typical sort of zombie movie, um, and just everything in it worked because I, the, he, I don't know, he, I'm on the Zack Snyder wavelength, but I also recognize that a lot of people probably aren't, so that's where that's where I live when it comes to this one. Yeah, so I think this movie is a giant shit post, and it gets a <laughs> lot of points for that, a lot of like entertainment. Points for that. Like, it's very clearly like. Exactly, just a shit post. Uh, like, and the worst parts are the parts where it's where it stops trying to be a shit post. Right? Oh, the, really? The okay. I thought you were gonna say that, but sure. I mean, the 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 big downside of this movie is how straight they play the father daughter thing, which is a thing that I think makes a lot of sense in context. I actually don't think it cuts too far against the camp aspects of it, right? Because like, camp, I think, can, can take itself seriously, at least in kind of like the Adam West's Batman sense, right? Of yeah. Camp. Um, but, um, the, but like the, the parts of it that, that, that truly like got, let me be on board with it are the shitpost parts because otherwise, if you, if you take it at its face 
and like with, without like the kind of not like the, the kind of very clear intonation it's supposed to be a shit post it's a very bad movie like one that like bothers me too much right like I'm going to go into a couple of nitpicks at some points. I recognize they're nitpicks, and I also recognize that because this movie is a shit post, I don't, I don't, you know, like like nitpicks beyond, about the the politics or the world building or the plot points or like what what are the, the nitpicks? The world, I, okay, like there's a lot. There's like a lot of like, um, like, so this this is like the very opening part of the movie, right? So it's not too much of a spoiler, and passes will go into spoilers, I guess. But like, um, and so this is like your semi spoiler warning, I guess. Um, but the opening part of the movie is, uh, a military convoy is driving down the road, right? And dude's getting a blowjob from his, like, fiance or wife. Roadhead, hell yeah. <laughs> and this, this, this car crashes into the military convoy, and the payload falls off the truck, the door just kind of opens, and that's how the primary zombie gets out, right? This is a shit post of a movie. I don't care. Even even in like a lot of shit posty movie, and then a very campy movie. I can let this go. Um, like, but like the idea that like this, you know, highly guarded truck could be derailed by a by you know a single car that just like normally crashes into it, right? Regardless of how it happens, it's just like so ludicrous on its face. <laughs> I'm just like, like if this was trying to be a serious movie, I would dock at major points for that because that's like so sure. unrealistic. Yeah. It would, and and so you know. And there's other things that, like, keep popping into my head as it happens that I'm willing to, like, throw out because it's it's a shitpost of a movie and because it's a campy movie and it's not trying to be serious, right? Like, yeah. Even outside, like, even outside the more shit, like, like, you know, if we divide, you know, the shitpost parts from the just kind of, like, silly parts, right? Like, this this is, like, the silly parts let me exclude it as well. The shitpost is just an, uh, the thing that makes it, like, attractive to me on top of it. Yeah, it def- um, I definitely agree with you, and I think that it definitely has those shitposty elements, but it is weird because it also has... Maybe this is just, like, this is part of the Zack Snyder thing, right? Because it also has a dead, arrow-straight performance from Dave Bautista and his whole character and everything that happens with, like, with him is played absolutely straight. And he's kind of surrounded... I don't and think it- everything that does... Really? Like, you what? Know, let's, let's, let's do the spoiler. This is, this is your okay, true yeah, spoiler yeah, let's warning. Do, let's do true right? spoilers here. What what are the parts in his... I felt like everything that was going on with him was was played dead so, on. So this is th- this thing, I think, is actually one of the best shit posts of the movie. Is there's this totally unearned, like, love moment between him and the female character who doesn't, like, get any screen time at all. But <laughs> she's like, okay. like, what about us? And, like... They're like, we can make it work. And then she presses the button and the zombie immediately, like, murders her to death. Right? Like, just straight up, she's gone. And I thought that was perfect because clearly it's, it's you know, it's a shit post about how this is totally unearned. Right? And, like, you know, it's tragedy or whatever. But that's not, that's not, like, like he plays into it, but, like, I don't think that's quite straight. Okay. I, so I, so I do agree straight. with you. I do agree with you. But I, I want to be clear. Dave Batista plays that moment straight. Dave Bautista's not in on the joke, but I do think other characters in the movie are in on the joke. I think, honestly, a lot of the other characters in the movie are pretty, like, in on the in on the joke. Um, I don't know how much I agree with that. I think most of them aren't. Uh, really? I like, feel like the jo- I feel like basically everyone else in the heist, except for him, his daughter, and this other woman, are all kind of mugging it up maybe the coyote also isn't quite but the evil guy absolutely the black guy and the german absolutely um the oh i don't think they're in on the joke i just think they're like weird characters right like 
Like they're hammy characters, but they're not like winking at the camera, which is which is what you know the joke. Okay, I I, maybe, I guess maybe... yeah, oh, that that's fair. I don't really mean in you know the joke in the sense that they're winking at the camera. I just think that like they are playing these, you know, kind of comedy caricatures, like out there caricatures, um, rather than playing like. You know, like Dave Bautista is 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 treating this with the gravity of Shakespeare, which, by the way, I would argue that is a good thing. I I, I think a very similar thing to this movie is the Fast and the Furious fan- franchise. The thing that Dave Bautista is doing here is extremely similar to the thing that Vin Diesel does in the Fast and the Furious movies. And part of what makes those movies work is that Vin Diesel is trying to convince you that he is Laurence Olivier, while everyone else in the movie understands that they are. Ca- they're driving cars as as if they were superheroes sure, in an sure, episode sure. of Power okay, Rangers, yeah. and that's that's the that's the that's the the uh, kind I, of I, I, mode I will that we're in. You that, that that Batista Batista is the straight man, straight man in this movie, and that's yeah. what, that, that's part of what makes it work. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> and I, love, and I just loved every every minute of it, including up to and including the part at the you know at the very end where his daughter has to shoot him in the face. Simultaneously, I was kind of. I, it was almost like an, a weird ambivalence because I was enjoying both, like I was emotionally connected to sort of his stuff, I guess, as at the same time that I was just kind of thrilled by the over-the-top nature of it, if that makes sense. Like, the fact that they have this gigantic, they have a, the, okay, the climax of the movie is a is a fist fight between him and the King Zombie in a helicopter that is outracing a nuclear explosion, right? Like, those words are not... That, that is insanely over the top, right? But, like, I was, oh, yeah. I was in it for that action at the same time that I was also kind of in it for this character drama, if that makes sense, between him and... Like between him and his daughter, and maybe there's something to the juxtaposition that makes it work. I just have no idea. It is the same feeling I get when Vin Diesel says it's about family or whatever, right? And I, uh, I agree, it is about family, and I earnestly care about how much Vin Diesel cares about his family. I earnestly care about how much Dave Bautista cares about his daughter, even though he just slow motion shot the zombie king in the face with a pistol, and his head slow motion split in half like, peeling a fruit by the foot from its wrapper, you know, like? <laughs> yeah, no, like, I, 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 I'm definitely with you on the second part. I'm not so much with you on the serious parts. I just okay, like it. yeah, no, fair enough. I, I, just think, I just think it, like, even in the, in the Fast and the Furious, right, like, there are characters that are less kind of, like, there are comic relief characters, right? Like, in the latest trailer, they're the ones that are like, you know, like, yo, we in a rocket or whatever, right? Like, you know, like, they're, kind of, like, they're like the R2-D2 and the C-3PO, right? Like, you are referring, of, of, of course, of, to uh, Tej and Roman, because I, of course, know these character names. Yes, absolutely. Right. That is... <laughs> I was to say, we were discussing before the show what, what series we have to catch up on to, like, do more episodes. And yeah, like, the well, Fast that's and the Furious is because... a good one, because F9 comes out. Like a couple of days, right? Yeah. It comes out soon. I is think. It, is it that soon? Jeez. I don't even uh, know. I just know that my local cinema is doing um doing free Fast Fridays, um <laughs> to get people back in the theaters again. But they're showing the old movies. Um, no way. But, uh, That's anyway. awesome. Yeah. Oh, it is actually quite a while from now. It is a month from now, June twenty fifth. Okay. Okay. So we got some time. We got some time, buddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but the sorry. 
you, you, I lost my, you, you put me off my, my train of thought. Yeah, it's, I apologize. It's fine. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's fine. Like, I feel like there's less of a bridge because there's like a bunch of characters in that cast that are more and less serious, right? Like, there are people that are all the way on the goofy, and I feel oh, like. Oh, I see what you're saying. There's like a cast- spectrum, sure. Yeah, and most of this character, most of these characters, are much more towards the goofy side, and there's like very little in the middle of like, tran- uh, you know, uh, bridge characters. I guess I'd call them right, like the coyote maybe fits, right? But it, like everybody else is like you know, really like mugging it up. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, no, and but like you know, there there are great moments, right? Like you were you're talking about like this 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 alpha zombie. The thing to me that like like had me near rolling. Was like when the guy comes out with a cape and a mask and a spear, and it's very clearly a Spartan from the movie 300. And then, like, spears this woman, and then the follow-up is like, "Is that a zombie with a cape?" It's just like <laughs> shit post, right? Like, there was another great shit post moment too. Like, they're they're in they're approaching the vault, and uh, and the the guy with the the buzz saw is like, "Think about it. Maybe this is like maybe this is us." caught in a time loop yeah, it's revealed like a big that. thing it's like that's not it at all <laughs> <laughs> oh my post. god i loved that moment i love that whole sequence of them getting the vault open the part where yeah. the zombie gets smushed <laughs> because yeah like this is this is one of the shit posty aspects of the movie the guy who hires them, tells them that there's a bunch of non-lethal, like, things protecting the vault. And you later learn, like, the movie justifies this later, because they they later say that it is not about any of this, that it's just about getting this one guy in so that he can get a zombie head, so that they can sell the zombie head on the black market so people can get the zombie army or whatever. Like, that justification, fine. Okay, whatever. But the thing is, is that they set it up in the beginning. There's like, oh, there's a number of non-lethal countermeasures. So the first one goes, and there's a zombie, and he gets plugged by all these darts. Okay, haha, that's funny. It doesn't make any sense for the zombie. Then he gets shot by a bunch of guns, and the guy is like, I thought he said non-lethal. And then the zombie walks forward and gets smushed between like these giants. Like an, it's like an Indiana Jones trap. Who the fuck would put that in front of your vault, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But it's just like... Oh my god, I just laughed so hard. And I, I just, I had such a good time. Honestly, the gore in this movie was spectacular. It was a spectacle, and I enjoyed every minute of just... I kind of forgot how gruesome... I don't know. Because it's definitely there in Dawn of the Dead. It's also maybe there in, like, in like Watchmen. There's a couple of parts in, like, Watchmen. But this is a brutally gross, gory movie. Uh, in like yeah. the the kind of grindhouse way that I just was like, this is sweet. Yeah, I, I think this is. I think that aspect is more of the zombie movie heritage than it is the uh, the Zack Snyder heritage of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, uh, but yeah, like um, was, was is there other stuff on the on 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 the on the ship post level, um. The movie's uh, politics. The movie's politics, which, by the way, I've seen people go really back and forth about. I kind of think that I'm. <laughs> it's a shit post, right? Like, I, like, yeah, I don't like, think it's meant to be serious in either way, right? Like, I kind of like, feel like it is anti-political more than it is. Like, it is contemptuous of the idea that a movie has politics <laughs> more so you know than I think, it is. Like, <laughs> I think I think that's true. Like, I, I think you know. Like the parts, like I got, I got like um, vibes, like of like idiocracies. Like the president thought it'd be really cool or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's really deep if you would think about it. I was like, oh my 
god! Oh my god! How did they put that in this script? But it was it was great. That was that was a great moment. Yeah. Uh, that was the moment that really made it click. Because at first I was like, you know, I was sort of ruined for this because um, you know I watched it on Sunday, but most people were watching it like Friday and Saturday. So I saw I saw a whole bunch of Twitter discourse where, as always, the anti Snyder people were like, "See, Zack Snyder is like a right wing fascist. He thinks that if you if you get Oh, something like masks and vaccines. He's like, he's like, oh, if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to get oppressed by the liberal government when everyone should be wearing. It's all about mask mandates or whatever. And I was like, I don't really know that it's about that. And then I saw people on the opposite end who were like, oh, Zack Snyder's like, a, you know, he's been like. He's, like, all liberal now because he's so mad about – because, like, kids in cages with this quarantine thing or whatever. And I was just kind of like oh. – so I saw both of those takes. Then I watched the movies, and both of those takes are more or less accurate to the film, right? Like, the film is both – readable in either of those directions and i was like what are we getting at too, here right because the thing that jumped out to me was like the anarcho-libertarian shit post where like dave like you know it's like you know it's free in here and it's like there's no rules in there it's like and david says doesn't that mean it's more free but then but then when the movie when the movie did the thing with the president where he was mm. like <laughs> It was the it was the lineup. It's really deep if you think about it. Actually, that's what really got me. I was like, oh yeah, this movie actually doesn't have politics. Yeah. I'm sorry, you guys. Well, no, it, like like you said, it's intentionally it, it intentionally <laughs> has anti politics, right? Which you know, arguably is a statement all on its own, right? Like it's it's like you know like uh, hard ironic detachment, right? You know, like sneering, I think, to be honest, this does make sense discourse because I do know that um, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder gets mostly affiliated with right wing people because he likes Ayn Rand, um, and it's it's always hard to like decipher this kind of shit. But the thing he likes about Ayn Rand is not really political as much as it is sort of like. Um, procedural if that makes sense like he talks about the fountainhead as a story about how hard it is for like an artist to build something truly great right and about how you know the, it, it, it's about like the journey that someone has to undergo and how hard they have to to work in order to sort of like realize greatness which i understand you know, like, obviously The Fountainhead is a very political book, but that is sort of the least political reading you can get. But he gets a lot of flack for people who really hate Ayn Rand and hate, you know, and think of and think of it purely in these sorts of political terms in, those, in that sort of way. And he was pretty vocally, like, anti-Trump and stuff like that, but, like, people just sort of ignored that aspect of it. Um, and so I have a feeling that... That probably comes from a place of sort of, like, frustration at the world, you know what I mean, like, at, like, the greater world we live in that is politicizing all these kinds of things. Like, you can't really engage with something on a, on an, like, anti-political level, which I would theoretically make an argument against. Like, I want to say, if somebody were to say, not everything has to be about politics, I would say, shut the fuck up, you're wrong. But the truth is, I think that that viewpoint is, like, kind of correct and i get it where he's kind of coming from in this specific movie yeah i mean we could have a deeper conversation about that at some point if you want um but i don't know if it's it's, it's rightly placed here but I, I i get your point um yeah I, I think i think it's i think it's 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 pretty fully accurate um yeah yeah no i think i think it's 
Um, I, I think I think it's one of the funner parts of the movie too, just kind of like that backdrop, right? Like they're kind of like sneering at the whole like at the whole structure thing too, right? Mm-hmm. Like like there's there's definitely a structure to it, but like there is an entire character who lives and dies in the intro title sequence. Who's great? That's the the mother that finds her kid and like oh my it god, ends it's up so getting tragic. Smushed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also very stupid. So what? Like, if this was a serious movie, again, one of my criticisms would be like, no one seems very concerned about actually saving anybody who's about to die, right? Like, I think this is most clear where like the YouTuber's uh, girlfriend or whatever like jumps through the window and is clearly still fine, and like no one does anything to help her. Just like mm-hmm. lets her, you know, just until she's like overwhelmed, like they shoot the thing. Um, this happens a bunch of times, right? Like, like I said, the the moment where um the female uh, character gets her neck snapped, it's like. It's like right then, but like Dave Batista doesn't character doesn't miss Scott Ward, I guess his name doesn't make any attempt to to save her. Um, the YouTuber like is like, come on, man, let's go, and then just kind of gets overwhelmed while Dave Batista is like cinematically slow motiony, um, shooting things. And I think this is again the shit post nature of it. Um, but like, there's just like like no one tries very hard to stop anybody from getting killed, um, except yeah. for Pete Hor at the very end. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I, they're kind of bromance is maybe another piece that I would say is not shitposty. Like, I do get that they... You know, like, they're, they're funnier characters on, like, the comic relief end, but that moment was honestly maybe even more sort of, like, heartfelt than Dave Batista and his daughter, where he, you know, this is when the, the, the German safecracker gets Van, the guy, like, the, the other guy who's been with him this whole time, pushes him into the safe, and then closes the safe door so that he is he can't get killed by the zombie king. I was like, you know, like, it's a, it's a small thing, but I did I did kind of connect to that you know moment in the same way that I kind of would maybe connect to like the peril that R two D two and C three PO get into you know what I mean in like in like a Star Wars movie because they are kind of like likable and relatable um, it's it's easy to to get on their side when it comes to this also I just appreciate how much of a threat the this movie kind of made the zombies in a um, yeah. You know, I've I've talked about stakes before. Like one of the things I really love about Man of Steel is that it is a movie that has a very co- good conception of stakes, and it gets me wrapped up in sort of the danger of everything that's going on. Like I believe that Superman in that movie is trying his hardest to to keep Zod from genocide from committing untold acts of horrific carnage, right? And in this that same way, I believe that this group of people are trying their very, very hardest to survive in in the this, like, wasteland of very dangerous, dangerous zombies. Like, one of the things that the movie does is sort of eschew the basic, you know, they call them shamblers, right? Like, the basic, slow-moving, not smart, not agile you know kind of like zombie that i think other zombie stories fetishize and Zack Snyder got a lot of flack for this in dawn of the dead because dawn of the dead also has fast zombies that are like agile and will chase you down sort of thing um but i think fast zombies are sweet i think that they make for cool drama and i like a world where it is not about like having average people rise to the occasion against these sort of middling stakes, right? Like, The Walking Dead is sort of like this. It's a bunch of normal people who get good at shooting guns in order to, you know, survive in, like, the zombie hordes, but the zombies themselves aren't individually all that dangerous, right? Um, Army of the Dead is like, no, these guys are very effective. These are... They are built... 
they are well trained they know how to shoot guns and use explosives and they are like smart and capable and coordinated and it is still tough for them to get to get through this alive i just i that, like that's part of the new zombie thing that i that i appreciate like that was something yeah. that, that knew that i wanted to see from this movie yeah and it, it's also like a like it's a different thing right like yeah. you know the it, it's a different type of like horror too right like um like the horror of a traditional zombie movie is like how har- how how long can you keep back the ocean? Yeah. Right. Like I, this, this is funny. I I was I was at the beach um, a couple of weeks ago and I saw this this thing that 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 boys always do uh, is they dig a hole in the water um, or dig a hole in the sand by the water and see how long they can keep the ocean from knocking over their sandcastle. Yes, absolutely. Right? Um, right. So and that that is essentially what a zombie movie is, right? Like a much more horrifying version, obviously. But like the idea is the tide of zombies is unending. And you won't be able to. You, you will eventually fall. It's just a matter of like putting it off for as long as possible. Either putting it off um, until rescue comes, or uh, just you know surviving as long as you can. And that and, and that is the horror that it's endless, and it's not very difficult. But you you will eventually succumb to the tide. Um, and this movie obviously is not poised to to have that problem, right? Like the problem is contained, right? Like this is a totally optional thing they are doing for what is essentially greed, yeah. right? Like, um, and so you need, you need the threat there, right? Um, the, the interesting thing there to me was that the Shamblers were theoretically there and it's kind of like an unfired Chekhov's gun. I also thought like, that. I was so get... sure that it, cause they, they mentioned how the Shamblers dried out in the sun, right? But if it rained, they would all wake up again. And I was like, ho, 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 ho. I bet something's good. It's raining in the third act or something, you know, kind of along those lines. Um, my, my, my thought at the time, because this is sort of how nuclear fallout can work sometimes, is, um, is like it would force condensation, like maybe the nuke misses or something weird like that, and it forced condensation over Las Vegas, which is normally a desert, and so all of the shamblers wake up and they're making their escape. But that never materialized. They just are completely... That was just not... Uh, yeah, there's an unfired checkout gun. Like I said, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's it was it's definitely a, a good way to to take it. Like, but I will say that like Zack Snyder's the only person who could take a two and a half hour movie and still not have enough time to te- tell all the stories he needs to tell. <laughs> right? Like, there was so yep. much like interesting little world building here. That's like you know fr- from the intro part to the uh, like. Um, uh, uh, to the other different pieces of it as well, um, but like like the whole thing about like the king and his queen, and the queen was evidently pregnant, and like he pulls like the the, the fetus zombie out of it. It's like that's like interesting stuff, but it's got like five minutes of screen time, right? Like the whole yeah, like I, the whole I, zombie I, like society aspect of it. Like I do think that that is something that because I'm pretty sure they greenlit a prequel to this or some sort of sequel to this i don't know i saw some rumblings about how you know this is starting a like starting a franchise and i I agree i'm actually very interested in the mechanics of this world and i think it is interesting to sort of start it off at this end point because theoretically the nuke goes off and like the zombie threat is contained i mean there is sort of the after credits ish stinger of the um one of the ben guys, yeah, bit. he's bitten, but he's getting out. But that's like a different sort of thing because it's not a—he's not an alpha zombie or whatever. Like the zombie king was. Like I—I I sort of want to know what ended up happening that the zombie king existed and was in like custody in the first place, right? Because like you know the the movie side sort of begins with that as a presupposition. Um, and my understanding is maybe that'll be that'll be a whole thing. Um, yeah, no, my, my, 
my read of that is that he's like a military experiment, right? Because I think in that first scene, he's got like military pants on. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, one of my being... favorite little details about the zombies is those alpha zombies sort of have this iridescent blue blood to them. Yeah. You know, when 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 he pulls out the the zombie baby. It's covered in this, right? But then also when he gets shot in the head, it's covered in this. And then so I don't think it was there for the shambling zombies, though. You couldn't really tell because it wasn't really like showing off that kind of level of gore. But for some of those alpha zombies, absolutely, they had this like, you know, blue ichor blood stuff that was just like that's neat as like a little world building detail. Yeah, no, I I agree, and and I like there is like. My thought of me with with the post where the you know the the ending scene was uh, you know Van Van got bitten by the zombie king so he he will turn into an alpha presumably right like uh, like like rapist cop oh, did um interesting or he got bitten by the zombie king I'm uh, sure yeah no he gets he gets bitten in the fight. In the fist fight he has with the zombie king, which is another shit oh, right. moment, yeah. by the Ob- way, right? Yeah, like, he has right, a... like he throws down his gun and he, he pulls off his, his mask. It's oh like, my I'll god! Put off your dukes or whatever. And then the zombie right. king pulls off his mask too. This is my favorite part. I loved that there is a zombie smart enough to realize I can take any amount of damage, but I can't get shot in the head. So he makes he makes a mask so he can't get a headshot. And then he takes the mask off so that he can one v one Van. And I was just like, this is my shit. Honestly, this movie had a bunch of one v ones like that, and all of them were great. There was Dave Batista versus the clearly breakdancing zombie who was like yeah. a breakdancer in real life and was kind of like it was like it was like strong guy versus fast guy i i was all about that that was my shit <laughs> and then there yeah. was the zombie I mean, tiger also loved that uh this, the zombie this tiger my, may have been my favorite mo- like two minutes in the movie actually but i might agree with that but this is this was another one of my my like nitpicks is like like a a, a you know a you know scrap metal helmet isn't gonna stop a bullet but you know that's this is again a thing I'm willing to forgive but like a thing <laughs> that immediately pops out of me like that's not how that works um like the the inner the inner nerd in me um but yeah no I, I there are there are a bunch of great one on ones and like the 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 thing that was a little disappointing about that scene where the tiger kills the the, the bad guy is like there's like there is no like the motivation of her pulling out the head to screw him is actually kind of inconsequential for him since he gets eaten by the tiger anyway, right? Like, if he had the, the, the head in the bag, it wouldn't have made a difference, right? Mm-hmm. And again, not a big thing, just kind of like, uh, it's, you know, the, the kind of, like, natural flow of the stories. Right, but, but why, why, would the, they make a, why would that make a difference? Um... I just kind of like from like a like a, a conciseness of narrative type thing, right? Like you know, like the reason a Chekhov's gun is a rule is because you don't want to give the audience extra information, right? Like there's there's like no like it is inconsequential to the story that she switches out the head for the reasons that she switches out the head for, if that makes sense. What, right? what it's are all the, I'm sorry, it's all luck. What are the reasons that she she she, presu- out the head? she presumably st- switches out the head? To keep him from being able to deliver the head, okay. right? He is prevented from delivering the head anyway by the tiger. It's not. It's not a big problem. It's just kind of like a, a small kind of like, you know, it's a. It's it's like a luck thing rather than a than like a story thing. If that makes it's. This is, I guess I agree with that. Though I do enjoy. I the thing I enjoy about that was the planting and payoff where he. Hmm brags about tricking her twice. He's like, I got the two times I got you, right? But she got him. 
by switching the head. Right, right. And I, and I, I enjoyed that moment. I thought that was sweet. Especially because it was it was well set up because like I remember I like she she focuses on the thing and I was like what I don't understand and and so it was a nice like oh I get it kind of moment I like the coyote okay. a lot to be honest she was probably yeah my favorite care maybe my favorite character she's probably my favorite yeah, character no. or or Van one of them yeah no the, the I mean I don't know I feel like there weren't a lot like there wasn't like. The Coyote's one of the few characters that gets, like, real depth and, like, enough time for, like, her arc to make sense, essentially. Yep. Right? Like, like you know, like, the, the Tidor Van arc, like, has points in it, but there's not, like, a lot of development there. It's just kind of, like, you know, moment, 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 because, because like I said, there's, there, Zach Sayers is the only person who can take a two and a half hour film and not have enough time to do what he needs to do with it. <laughs> yeah, they um, don't really have an arc. They just sort of have a, a, a relationship. But the coyote pretty clearly has an arc, right? You know, she kind of yeah, has this guilt no and she sort of fulfills her purpose, I guess, uh, and, and like redeems herself in, in some small way. Yeah. No. So, so... Just to, to jump back really quickly to the to the potential sequel bait, which is which is Van uh, flying to Mexico City, right? Like you know, the the natural extension to me, right, is like, oh, so they they kill Las Vegas, they could put it into if they do Mexico City, right? Like that's like you know, you can make it a country level threat, right? But like my you know, talk about the political aspect of this. My immediate thought about a potential sequel is, is like, <laughs> are they going to build the wall at the border to keep the zombies in, right? To like, be honest, like, I would actually be very down for that. Have you ever read World War Z? By, uh, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah I yeah. really Max, loved that. Max, whatever. Yeah, it's uh, it's what's his face's son, right? It's uh, some famous guy. I'm trying to think. Who's the who's the guy that makes the producers? Uh. Oh my god. Bloom? I'm so I'm so blank on his name. He works with Gene Kelly all the time. Mel Brooks. It's Max Brooks. Mel Brooks' son wrote a zombie oh. novel called World War Z, I... which is a ama- which is great. And is completely unrealized because there was a film version of it, made of it that was fucking garbage. Um, even though it made a billion dollars because it starred Brad Pitt. Um, yeah, well, um, the thing is, is, World War Z, and like he also wrote the Zombie Survival Guide, right? Oh, maybe. I, I, I wouldn't know. I only read World War Z. Uh, yeah, yeah, Zombie Survival Guide is, about, I think it predates World War Z. But, like, okay. they're more kind of, like, like, the Zombie Survival Guide is, like, an in-character, like, you know, it's, like, it's, like, a, it's, like, a Survivor Guide-style book about a zombie apocalypse, but, you know, played straight. Um, and, like, I'm, World War Z, if I remember correctly, maybe I only read the Zombie Survival Guide, but I think World War Z was kind of, like, more, like, a, like a, a history than it was, like, a, a kind of, like... You know, action flick, which is what the movie was, if if I remember correctly. Yeah, so, the thing that made World War um, Z very cool is that it was in universe, kind of diegetically, a UN report of what happened during. I right. think they called it like the Z Wars, whatever. So it was actually told all in past, in like the past, via interviews with people, right? And this is how you get the cool stuff, like Israel builds a wall um, to keep. Like, like that's their thing. North Korea also solves the zombie crisis internally by removing the teeth of everyone in the nation. So even if they do turn, they can't bite and penetrate skin and pass on the virus or whatever. And there's all this like world building, like something, you know, like one of the cool things is um, one of the interviewees is a Brazilian surgeon who does uh, black market organ transplants, which is how the virus got out in the first place um was was these black market organ transplants that were that were like going on i think that that book is is amazing and maybe one of like the poster childs for just like 
world building and lore as a major selling point of your of your thing right you know in the same way that like we talked about uh, bad times at the el royale is sort of this like the thing that makes that movie great is its plot it has a an amazingly fine-tuned plot that was just insanely fun to watch right to, to just like watch happen and i and you know you could point to things that are like oh this was thematically really interesting or like character like it, it had these super interesting and deep characters right like i would i would argue that something like um you know, uh, like Game of Thrones, any of these prestige TV shows, The Sopranos, maybe Game of Thrones before the ending, Better Call Saul, a lot of these are built on, like, incredibly interesting and complicated characters. World War Z is just a set of really sweet lore and world building that I, I, I cry thinking about the, the film adaptation being as bad as it ended up, uh, as it ended up being, which sucked because the original script was written by... Uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who's a favorite writer of mine. But anyway, the th the promise of World War Z that was really sweet is it it dealt with the zombie threat less in like a horror sense and more in sort of like a um, like a, almost like a fantasy sense, right? Where you're like you're tracking the movement of armies and the decision making of high level political leaders in the same way that you know we watch the army of Gondor fight the army of orcs or something like that and i have always thought that that was like a such a potent thing that you could that you could do that you could deliver on right like it's not just these individual people are hiding out in a mall right or these individual people are hiding out in a prison or whatever the small scale zombie story is it is this is this is an action movie versus the zombies and army of the dead kind of gets that in the sense that it has a lot of action movie elements, but it does also have a lot of those horror movie elements, and it has a lot of tension and suspense that I would say is more akin to horror than action tens tension and suspense. Um, so an Army of the Dead 2 that just fully realizes what what it would what it would be like to deal with that kind of uh, like that kind of zombie threat. I think that's fucking sweet. I'm all on board for it. Yeah, no, that's this is, this is interesting because like, I think this is like the kind of new take for zombie movies, um, kind of in the modern age. Just like, well, actually, if you know the the world brought its might to bear against the zombie threat, they'd be able to deal with it, and it wouldn't be the end of the world, right? Like, um, I think the first like the first popular stab at this is um, Shaun of the Dead, right? Where um, like you know after you know it's 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 the traditional following of the of the core people, but you know you get out the the back end of it and everybody's fine, right? And like zombies are like game show curiosities, right? Um, I would actually argue uh, but, a little differently, but sure. What, what what would you argue then? I think I think I would argue that uh, Sean of well, so I do think Sean of the Dead kind of delivers on this pr promise or whatever, but um, I think the the real well, ones that I would early version of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I there's almost sort of uh, I guess I would say three of them because I guess I would agree that Sean of the Dead is in there. I also think Warcraft Three is in there because of how it treats sort of the Scourge and Arthas and like Lordaeron, right? Like Arthas's story of Lordaeron's fall is very true to form for like kind of a zombie movie or whatever um but it it moves out of that pretty quickly and into sort of this you know the scourge is just one army of evil that these fantasy races otherwise have to you know like otherwise have to fight right uh the horde or the night elves or whatever um and then the other one i was thinking of is 28 days later which is also got that 
technically it's 28 weeks later, which I didn't like as much, but 28 days later definitely has that sort of, um, you know, like militarized flair to it. And the, and the apocalypse is kind of contained and dealt with, um, even though those aren't true zombies or whatever, right? Like they're, these are living people who are just super rabid or whatever else. I definitely, I feel like 28 days later has, has actually quite, quite a lot in the, like in the zombie canon, like the modern zombie canon, uh, to do with movies like army of the dead. What was the, well, I think we talked about a movie that was like the zombie, like it, it, it's, it's not, it's not I am legend, but there, there's one where like, the family turns and it turns out they're like, like just a separate group of people. Um, like, like the, the zombies are like their own intelligent species and then just, you know, just leave them alone or whatever. I am legend um, does do that. No, I know. I am legend is the big famous one, but there's, there's a smaller one that I'm, that I'm thinking of that I, I, I like, it's like a family and they're trying to escape the area. And at the very end, they realize that they could just kind of like walk out and it's not a problem, but, um, now, see, now I'm really interested. Uh, I don't know. You you want to have him for a while? I see if I could. Zombie movies, right? Like looking it up. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I I think part of what makes um. I think part of what makes Army of the Dead pretty interesting when it comes to uh, when it comes to sort of like the zombie canon is also the heist movie elements that that it adopts i think like it has p a part of it because of the zombie king and the the different sort of threat that the zombies like represent um compared to a more traditional right like really i, I sort of feel like w the walking dead is on one end and then you have army of the dead kind of like on the other where like the walking dead is the true trope if that makes sense it is the it is sort of like the bedrock um of what you would expect by a straightforward zombie movie, whereas Army of the Dead wants to turn everything on its head. It wants to it wants to make the zombies more dangerous. It wants to give them a um, a kind of more complicated uh, mythos. It wants to make that mythos sort of like in 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 a in a wider world that is more complicated and interesting than just, like, the world falls to zombies, if that makes sense. Um, but I think that the heist movie is really what puts it over the top, because it gives the characters a, re like, a reason for doing stuff that is not just survive, right? In a, in a lot of zombie movies, that's just the goal, right? Like, Dawn of the Dead is basically just, how do we survive the movie, Right. Uh, but in a world where the zombie threat is contained and where it's not, you know, going to end like end you at any individual moment um, or you don't have these sort of like post apocalypse tropes that like The Walking Dead is sort of dealing with, um, you can sort of center the narrative around something else like a plot device that does that like requires the, the, the directs the story, I guess is what I'm saying. Um and keeps interesting things happening that that are that leave the zombies sort of as a force of nature to be reckoned with, right? Do the hard thing while under the threat of the force of nature, rather than anything else. Have I vamped for long enough times? So have you figured it out? I, I can't. I cannot figure figure out what what this movie is. Uh, maybe it was. Uh, this is, this is, gonna, this is going to give review, me. And we reviewed it. 
Maybe we didn't. Maybe I just talked about it in an in, in sequence. But like, I feel like it was like a, uh, uh, what was it? A, uh, I, feel, I feel like it was like a, a, a streaming movie. Um, Interesting. Like, <sighs> I'm honestly looking at all these movies and I'm like, wow, man, there are a lot of fucking zombie movies. Maybe, did I, yeah, there's a lot of zombie movies. Uh, tell us in the chat if you've got an idea of what you think <laughs> this fucking movie I'm talking about is. Um, are you sure it was a zombie movie? Maybe it was like a... It might be. It might be like a bit. It was definitely like a like what maybe like a mist? pandemic movie of sorts. With Thomas Jane, the I mist, don't... where he shoots his whole family and then the the army shows up immediately. No. Okay. No. 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 Man, uh, that ending is brutal. By the way. Uh. Uh, this is gonna kill. This is gonna kill us, isn't it? We're just yeah. gonna spend the rest of this like googling different zombie movies until it finally clicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else about Zack Snyder's? Uh, um, I guess I will uh, say that I, I, so I, so I mentioned earlier that I was disappointed. Um, which is true. And I think the thing that disappointed me most is the sort of lost potential of it. Um, I, in a certain sense, I sort of think this may this may be too much psychologizing, which I would normally eschew. But like, I don't know, it's just too fun in this instance. The thing that I really enjoy about like Man of Steel BVS, right, is that it is like asking like these big, complicated questions about you know Watchmen, right, like about sort of what is like heroism what makes you know like a man or a god or something kind of along those lines and i think by and large people uh really balked at that version of zack like they don't want zack snyder to make thematically interesting content right partially because i guess you know i don't know i i get it i got it but they didn't and and so I have a feeling that he was just sort of like you know what man I'm just gonna make an action movie it's not gonna have any it's not gonna have any big crazy points I'm not really gonna make any any you know clear or complicated statement here I'm not like wondering about like the mythic whatever um, of you know like what makes these like characters work or something like that it just is what it is and. I'm and I'm sort of like moving on. One of the things that, you know, I feel like the I don't know, the, like the bedrock of Zack Snyder might be Excalibur, the 1981 movie, um which is a King Arthur movie, which I think was actually one of Liam Neeson's first movies. Um but it's definitely like a big epic film about King Arthur, the Knights of the Round Table. It does the whole sort of the death of Arthur kind of um, storyline and all of the like Arthurian literature and all that stuff. And it has this, um, it has this grandiose nature to it. And I miss that because Army of the Dead has pieces of it, but it doesn't have the like Zack Snyder's Justice League version 
pieces of it or even like the 300 pieces of it and like the 300 is a movie that i would also say doesn't really have you know like i don't think that that movie is really all that complicated in terms of like theming and it doesn't have all these interesting questions and i'm not going to write a fucking book about 300 but it does have that like epic feel that i sort of that i sort of miss if that makes sense yeah no i i i feel like a lot of movies these days just don't have like that kind of epicness to it right like i was i was reminiscing on this recently i was watching like Another movie that I didn't think was particularly good, but had kind of like that feeling. Maybe this is the thing that I think the Wachowskis are good at. Um, uh, I think maybe it was Jupiter Ascending, which I didn't. Th- I think is a very uh, not Jupiter Ascending because Jupiter Ascending is just bad. But um, the Cloud Atlas. Oh, Cloud, Cloud Atlas, Atlas is a yeah, movie sure. that I, one that I think is very mediocre, like on, a, on like as a whole. But nails kind of like the epic feeling movie thing very well. Um, this is a thing that I think also is very true of the Matrix movies that I just don't think like you get as much of anymore, right? Like they, this is like you like you what you go and you like. There's like this very specific uh, montage of like epic movie speeches that I think about, and a lot of those movies kind of have that kind of like epic feeling to them, right? Lord of the Rings falls into this category. Yeah, I just think that's not as popular anymore for whatever reason. I mean, I think um, Lord I of think... the Rings is the bedrock of the last twenty years of filmmaking, right? Like. If I if if I look at what defines filmmaking from for you know the the 21st century, it's Lord of the Rings, right? It it completely underlines. I mean, I think people might say the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point, but I I don't know, man. Lord of the Rings is the thing that just seems so completely out there that and it just completely changed the game. Yeah, so I I agree with you on 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 a lot of aspects with that, but I also think that like like. Um, and I, I think this is part of the other bedrock of the last 20 years of filmmaking, which I think is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which took kind of like a lot of that epic stuff and like, you know, bathos it to death, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like a, a lot of a lot of kind of like that epic feeling has been undercut by like wanting it to be like funny and sarcastic in a lot of ways. Because, um, you know, Lord of the Rings is like, there are jokes in it, but it's like a played straight movie, whereas I don't think we've had a lot of that. Um, even yeah. and in like, and in the prestige space, a lot of it's like, a lot of it's, focused on smaller stories right like i wouldn't call it all quite mumblecore but it's like trends in that direction um i get that for sure i mean like think about the hobbit movies right like the hobbit movies are basically trying to catch lightning in the bottle for the lord of the rings movies and i by the way love the hobbit movies like i've watched those movies i watch those movies i maybe have seen those movies more than i've seen lord of the rings just because i find them to be a really like you know just like a good watch at the wrong but those movies are not great you know i the they're pretty bad (laughs) <laughs> in, in, in like real terms um and i and i wonder if people like kind of look at those movies and they just kind of go like eh, you know this is this is just like not something pe- people can't go for go for that level of filmmaking anymore i mean warcraft is, is sort of on a similar level like i just i just feel like there are lots of like swings and misses when it comes to these high uh like big big epic uh stories Maybe, maybe, maybe that stuff is all just TV at this point, right? Like Game of Thrones, um, you know, uh, anime and stuff like, um, I don't know, I guess Star Wars is sort of like this. I definitely got that, I definitely got that big epic feeling out of maybe The Last Jedi and Rogue One, but not really any of the other, any of the, any, any of the others. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I, def- I definitely get that. I definitely get that. I think I think you're right on on that. That Rogue One wants to be really Rogue wants One to try and capture. The I do think it is there in the Last Jedi, but mostly just sort of as like the Jedi Sith stuff. Like most of the Last Jedi, it's pretty 
big, like yeah, it's like it's pretty down to earth filmmaking. Whereas like the Force Awakens, for instance, I think is very down to earth filmmaking. Like the Force Awakens feels like it it plays in a universe of twenty five people. Same thing with Rise of Skywalker, and also kind of Solo. Um, yeah, but, and, and the, but the Last like, Jedi, the Last the Last Jedi wants I think also to be a smaller story, right? Like yeah. it's 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 a chase, right? Yeah, but um, like Rogue One, really, like you know, Rogue One makes you feel like the Empire really is this galaxy spanning, you know, yeah. bureaucratic authoritarian engine, right? And then the Rebellion, the the Rebel Alliance is a legitimate alliance of right, like planets and and you know, people in the in the I don't know, there's something in that final base space battle in Rogue One that just makes it feel like it is happening on a bigger level than basically any of the any of the other stuff um, in in modern Star Wars. Which, to be honest, is something that people praise about modern Star Wars. If we think about the appeal of, like, the Mandalorian, the, the, the appeal of the Mandalorian is, is precisely that, right? Like, these sort of um, kind of contained episodic stories in, like, the wider, you know, just sort of, like, in the wider playground. Uh, of Star Wars compared to something like Rogue One, which is about these galactic titans facing off against each other. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I think I think an Army of the Dead sequel that does sort of like do this thing, especially the, the, one of the nice things about the Army of the Dead that I also just really enjoyed is that it fucking killed its characters. I said this exact same thing about Rogue One. I just really mm. miss when there were body counts in these in these kinds of movies, right? We're just like. It introduces you to a whole cast of people, and, you know, I mean, Army of the Dead kills basically everybody, but Everyone, yeah. Mo yeah, most of them are going to die, you know, some of them are going to die, I just like, I don't know, I really miss that about, um, you know, stuff like, it, it really makes things like Civil War feel like Care Bears in comparison, right? Like, yeah, no, I, I, I would agree, yeah, their, their, their total hesitance to kill anybody, even semi-permanently, is... It's kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, what else can we say about this movie? Uh, what? Uh, you, oh, I'm sorry. Go, go, go for on. it. You, you go. You go for it. Okay. Um, what? Uh, what did you think about the the Tignatario subbing in via green screen for Chris Delia or whatever? But, you know, there was there was one guy. He got like me tooed in the middle of the of the movie, but they had already shot all of it, so they subbed in Tignatario as the helicopter pilot in post. Oh, okay. That so I didn't realize that she was in post. Like I, I remember seeing Tignataro in the in the uh, in, in the pre roll, and I didn't even uh, think I didn't even realize it that it was her. Um, I don't know. I don't know. If it, like it was noticeable to me, but I also didn't notice. Um, you know them scrubbing the mustache off of Henry Cavill's face, so I'm <laughs> not great at spotting these kinds of things. That's fair. If I'm not looking for it, I definitely. Um, one of the things that I think was very kind of clever in how they hit it is that this was a movie with very, um, uh, like fuzzy focus. You know, like I, I, I when you shoot on a wide angle lens, everything is in focus, right? When you shoot on very tight lenses, everything is not in focus. Um, and this is a movie where. You know, and which is which is obviously like a filmmaking technique that allows you to draw the eye because people are drawn to sharp images and sort of phase out, you know, the um, like fuzzy images. Um, and then you can also do like rack focus stuff where something in the back is in focus and then it 
changes. That's called a rack focus. Um, I loved that about the movie, by the way. And it's one of those things that I didn't really realize was sort of like, a, you know, like everybody talks about slow motion and stuff as like, like these, the signifiers of, of Zack Snyder's visual language. But the focus stuff was really, I, I immediately got it. And it immediately reminded me of a lot of focus stuff that happens in some of, in some of his other movies. Um, and I thought that that really helped the Tignatorio stuff. Um, because the movie was already pretty, you know, it, it had a good sense of, you know, like, fuzzing people out in the background and some of the, you know, like, the group shots and things were pretty, like, tight, the cinematography. Um, so, I don't know, I thought it was pretty seamless. Though some of her line delivery was, you could tell, was, like, she was in a green screen and a PA was, like, blah, 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 this is the line. And then she's reacting to the PA. She wasn't really reacting to the to mm. the other person. <laughs> Yeah, I I I liked I liked that character well enough. So so what 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 happened to the original actor? Like, what is the person? What was it? A, was, it a, was it a man or a woman? It's a guy. He's some comedian. He got me too'd really hard, so they they dropped him. Hold on, let me let me. I don't even know what me too'd really hard is. I have no idea. All I know is he got pulled off the thing because he got me too'd. Um, that makes sense. Whatever. It's not. It's not super important. Oh yeah, five five women detail Crystalia's sex, alleged sexual whatever, sexual impropriety, all this other you know, all this other stuff. Um, I actually like her quite a bit in this movie, and also for that for that role. Um, one of my favorite moments that I laughed really hard at was she just immediately agrees. They they show up, and she and they're like, hey, we got we got a mission. It's gonna be, it's gonna be whatever yeah. you know. $2 million. She's like, I'm in. <laughs> They're like, what? She's like, it's $2 million. Fuck it. Oh, man, my life sucks. I'm in. Like, <laughs> that was super funny. And I really loved that moment. Yeah. No, that, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I agree. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> It was it was really immediately endearing too, right? Also, like like the the part where she's like, I, I'm like the second most important, right? Like you gotta you gotta protect like no, obviously the German's <laughs> yeah, the most important part. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I actually really was... liked the getting the team together montage, which some people have said is going out of style and not cool anymore, and all this other stuff. And I think those people are wrong. The getting the team together montage is a hallmark of filmmaking for a reason. It's very fun, and this one was great. Like I, the the YouTuber, like the the streamer like thing with um with the guy and his girlfriend was like my favorite and then his guy who was a total poser who was like i i can't do this and he leaves <laughs> i thought that was awesome like, you're gonna get killed right like, you know, for, for whatever reason i thought that that was gonna be a twist it's like that he didn't he he hadn't actually killed any zombies because the guy acts like it's like what are you talking like you know zombies like what do you i'm, I'm out it's like d isn't this a thing that you do like all the time for your youtube channel i kind um, of yeah you know yeah i, I, I I see exactly what you are, what you're getting at, and I kind of like that they didn't go that way. That that's always a, it's a, yeah. a, that's like a cheap shot. I feel like you know it's the it's the right. it's the obvious thing to do, yeah, even though I guess not at, that obvious because I didn't really think about it offhand. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I guess that's um, you know zombies. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I'm still dead. trying to find this movie and and I, I can't find it. So. You you will never find I, I, you will I, never I, find I, this movie apparently. Yeah, I, I guess you got to give up on it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure. Uh, you know what? In the next week, I'm going to excessively search for it, and I'll bring it up next week. Okay. Um, triumphantly, but we're out of we're out of Army of the Dead territory. How was your week? Uh, how was my week? I played a lot of Mass Effect. 
I played a lot of Mass Effect. Um, I beat Mass Effect it? One. No, 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 not even close. I'm in Mass Effect Two, which, by the way, <sighs> what a good game. I was a little afraid, to be honest, because it's been a while since I've replayed Mass Effect 2. Maybe, you know, five, maybe longer, maybe like seven years. Nah, it's probably like five years. Um, and I was a little afraid that I would, like, you know, like, there are always times with things, especially things that I've done to death, you know, like, I have played through Mass Effect 2 maybe half a dozen times. I 100%ed it on the Xbox 360. That was one of the, that was one of my big things was um, when I had first moved to Los Angeles and I had no money, but I had the Xbox I bought in college um, is I sat in my apartment eating, you know, oatmeal because it was literally the cheapest thing I could possibly eat and I had no money and I played Mass Effect through over and over again so I could get all of the different uh, all of the different achievements and I eventually ended up with everything except f- no, no, no. Eventually, 100%ed it. Yeah, so I, I got all of uh, I got all of the achievements done, and um, and you know you know, I, I'm always afraid when this kind of thing happens that like I, it'll lose its spark, right? You know, um, but man, that game is just so good. It's so well written, and it does so many things right that I have just. One of the things that I really love about that game is the cinematography is amazing of the of just the dialogue scenes, right? Like not even cutscenes, right? But like where you're sitting and you're just watching the characters have a conversation and you're doing all this stuff with the dialogue wheel and you're doing like investigate further, tell me about this, tell me about that or whatever. Like it is so nice and refreshing to have just like really great cinematography in that compared to like the the thing I am most um thing I'm comparing it to in my head is actually Fallout 4 for some reason where you know you are just in first person and you're you know you're sitting there and you're having that direct conversation with the person and it's just their face as they as they talk man oh I missed that anyway I think Mass Effect 1 is also uh Mass Effect 1 is also really great and I spent most of my time this week uh 100%ing it I did all of the side missions and I cleared all of the you know like all of the assignments out of your whatever i didn't actually get to max level i only got to like level 28 out of 30 or something like that but i did basically all of the game uh it is funny how bad mass effect one is outside of its main campaign you know like the side missions are maybe some of the worst like open quote-unquote open world content i've ever just i've ever done in my life um and uh, and it makes sense because obviously in Mass Effect 2 they basically put all that stuff to the side and just really narrowed in on that on that story. But the 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 story and the way the world introduces itself in Mass Effect 1 I found to be just so perfect um, that I got I just got really sucked in. It was it's maybe the first game that really broke me out of my wow you know my wow addiction over the past six months, um, which is an addiction I've been trying to drop. I've been trying to kick the habit, which, by the way, I didn't kick. I obviously did a bunch of, bunch of mythics and a bunch of other shit this week. But um, the, the, maybe the only did. game that I was like, whoa, I can't wait to get off work and play this that wasn't WoW was Mass Effect. Uh, so, yeah. That's that very cool. That's very excellent. You know, I haven't played Mass Effect in a long time. I never played Mass Effect 3. Um because I wanted to go back to Mass Effect 1 and beat it uh, all the way. Because I had only ever beat Mass Effect 2. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go do the whole thing for Mass Effect 3. And then I never did. I got I got partway into Mass Effect 2 on that playthrough. And I was like, oh, whatever. 
I gave up. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, maybe I'll do it at some point just because it's it's a good game. Uh, I will I will give you that that uh that at least the second one's a good game. First yep. one, first one I understood the criticisms about the Mako missions being not great. They have uh, to be honest. I do think um. They, they, they've done sort of like hashtag some changes to Mass Effect 1 to make it a little bit smoother. Um, cooldowns are a little bit lower. Like, so, you know, one of the things you used to get locked out of really hard was um, your first aid cooldown. And they made the HUD better, so it was easier to kind of see your health and your, you know, like where your health and your shields were at. Um and just some like small quality of life things. One of the one of the things that is the best is you're you're kind of constantly filling your inventory. It's very it's got like a lot of RPG stuff to it. You're constantly filling your inventory in Mass Effect One, and uh, they added a junk item feature where you can like select items and and mark them as junk and uh, and like sell them all in one go, which is like a modern thing. Like you know, Dragon Age Inquisition will do that sort of thing. But I don't know. It was it was it was very welcome. I guess I would say. Um, in yeah, so in in this game, so so how, how what do you think of like the legendary edition aspects of it? Like, are the improvements good, bad, whatever? At least those gameplay improvements are very good. I have also had a good time with the um uh, uh the DLCs being being baked in. Um, one of the things that happened to me when I played Mass Effect when I played Mass Effect two the first time, um. So, I had played Mass Effect, but on a different Xbox, so I didn't have a Mass Effect save. So, the first time I played Mass Effect 2, I used sort of, like, the default, you know, like, world state. I, that game was hard, like, mostly because you don't have the DLC missions to sort of pad yourself out. You don't get extra characters right off the bat that give you... Some of those characters are really good. Um, specifically, Zaid in combat is like a fucking monster. And um, and they unlock their loyalty missions right off the bat. So you can get right into the game, right into advanced training. Um, there's a bunch of extra weapons. Um, all that stuff just gives you like good options to sort of deal with what you're what you're doing at, especially when you're playing at the higher difficulties. Um, but the but having all that stuff just baked in immediately was amazing it was really nice um because i don't know i felt like first of all i was making more interesting and complex choices about how i wanted to sort of build my character out um because i wasn't just you know it's not like i had there there are there are in the base game two of each kind of gun um and then you can upgrade into a third version of a gun if you have sniper shotgun sniper rifle or uh, sh uh assault rifle um the thing that the the dlc adds a bunch of extra guns in there that you can purchase that have different sort of like functionality and i wouldn't say it's like imbalanced right but if you have a certain sort of play style you can also kind of like find the gun for that play style so for instance the right. locust smg is a very accurate submachine gun and a big weakness of the, the class i'm playing is infiltrator which is like the sniper it's like half combat half tech sniper class they can cloak themselves and then their next shot when they come out of that cloak does a bunch of extra damage so you cloak yourself, you use a sniper shot, it does like a billion damage sort of thing. Um, the base submachine guns in the game are really bad for 
that class because they're just like really fast firing and they don't really like they're they're not very accurate at a distance as infiltrator you're really trying to keep you know like keep far back and you're like trying to snipe guys or whatever the locust is a very accurate submachine gun with like a low clip size um and the submachine guns are really good at tearing through shields which is a weakness of the infiltrator so having the ability to say okay i have my sniper rifle when i need to like really like go hard on armor i have my submachine gun to chew through someone's shield like that arsenal ability feels feels really nice to have i guess is is my thing that makes sense it's also making um, me remember that mass effect andromeda is a fucking masterpiece and i'm so sad about that game <laughs> because i constantly am remembering forward to having played mass effect andromeda and how you know the big thing that andromeda adds is verticality you get a, you get a jump jet you get a little a little backpack and people have different versions of it right like the uh the soldier is a true jump jet it it, it you you sploosh you you shoot high in the air and then you sort of fall slowly whereas like the biotics will jump into the air but kind of hover for a second and stuff like that um so yeah in continued travesties of mass effect andromeda having been memed to death on launch i miss mass effect andromeda that's my point <laughs> okay uh, yeah. Um, on, from like the graphics front, do you think the the graphics like the I I posted a meme in one of our shared chats around the launch of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. It basically had it it had Shepard doing like the big wide eyed thing that like I recognize is from like a meme and it's like a thing that was like a feat like that happened in the cry engine a thing that like I think was like similarly caused some like the memification of Andromeda, which is why I thought of it. Um, which you said was like not a problem like later in the, in, in in the game's life cycle. Um, did you think the the graphics up 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 stuff was was fine? I play on I um, play on a middling resolution monitor. I have fourteen forty monitors with a very high refresh rate, which is obviously good. Which plays. Um, I remember the last time I played Mass Effect Two. I think I was playing on this monitor and. Um, it didn't scale up very well. So I think on that sense, it's been fine. But otherwise, I haven't really, like, noticed too many improvements. Actually, that's not true. Mass Effect 1 has quite a lot of improvements. But, like, there was a real gulf between Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Um, or, sorry, sure. Mass Effect 1 and then 2 and 3. 2 and 3 are about the same. But Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 were, like, light years different. Um, just having things like textures on Shepard's armor... Uh, like, Shepard's armor has this thing where it, like, it sort of looks plastic in a way because it doesn't have any texturing, and they add that in Mass Effect 2. That's now there in Mass Effect 1. Um, some of, like, the faces and stuff, like, look, you know, like, look better, but I th they're all using the same sort of, like, rigging and animations. One of the worst parts about it is that the, I, th I, think, I think Mass Effect has some of the worst kind of, like, lip animations, um, where it does, just doesn't look like, it kind of looks like a, like a bad old anime where the characters' lip movements aren't quite matching, like, what they're saying, but it's not so bad that I, I'm mad about it, and that's the kind of thing that I don't think that they would really be able to, like, quote-unquote, remaster, right? You know, like, that would, like, require getting in there, re-rigging a whole, you know, a whole model yeah, doing to motion do. capture or something. Yeah, like, all that kind of stuff is just, like, I don't know, rough. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, on my end, the big thing I did this week is I went to a real-life movie theater, and I saw um, Nobody uh, with Bob Odenkirk. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow, I forgot about that movie. Shit, is it out? I should go see it. Oh, yeah, are, I think are, it's are, out on streaming, even. Are movie theaters out? 
in, in Los Angeles? My, my, in my region, and you know, my part of the country, uh, you know, there are. I was like one of like three people in the theater too. So you know, who knows how much longer they'll be open? For oh my god, they, they are. They do exist. Wow. Yeah. This is actually kind of funny. I, it's a real cinema by me, and I'm a member of like the unlimited movies thing. But they didn't even have anybody checking tickets. Um, I just kind of walked in and walked, you know, and so, you know, I wasn't, it's not a problem on my end. I, like, there's a part of me that thinks, like, maybe they don't care, right? Like, you know, they only make their money on the concessions anyway, right? Just, like, hope that people buy stuff on their way in and, you know, throw their hands up. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it also just might have been understaffed, whatever. But, uh, you know, it was very, it's like a knockoff John Wick and if you like John Wick, I think you will like this movie, but not as much as John Wick, because I don't think it's nearly as good as John Wick. You know what? Honestly, that's maybe fair, because uh, one of the things that's interesting, actually, and this kind of ties back to Army of the Dead, is I realized how much John Wick has influenced action filmmaking. I think I've made this point before. Like, we've talked about this before. But, like, you know, I remember in 2015, everybody thought that Mad Max Fury, Fury Road was the future of action movies, right? Like, this was going to be the genre definer. And that turned out to be sort of an, an anomaly. The genre definer was a year before. It was John Wick, right? Like, I, I have never seen as much reloading and, you know... Uh, the, the, even just the way people hold their guns now, right? Like, think about how actors used to hold pistols versus now they do this, you know, like, because they, they, they're they sort of trained to, like, aim down the sights or and everything like that. And I just think that that has really made a difference. Um, even for, right, you know, completely different director, Zack Snyder, right? He was... Uh, he was making a sort of John Wick clone-ish in terms of the action filmmaking. Yeah, no, and and I think I think um, nobody doesn't quite get there either, right? Like, it, like they also like kind of like, I think it takes itself less seriously, which is a, a point in its favor, um, because it kind of like like and this is another very shitposty thing. Like, the movie opens kind of like in media res, and then it like pops back to the beginning, and the op the opening part of the movie is him pulling out a can of like tuna fish and pulling a kitten out of his coat i'm like really like are you going to be that obvious about it and the, it's, it's not really a big part of the movie at all it's just kind of like a last minute thing that happens like oh this is just you know this is just kind of like a winking at the camera type of deal um but uh it's got a lot of like kind of like weird same stuff like this kind of like weird like hidden world type part of it that you don't quite see um complete with like a a, a russian mobster um bit um and it's just, it's just, like, not as clean. It has some interesting stuff, like, the early fights are less are less smooth, and, like, you know, John Wick being a professional and more kind of, like, brutal. Like, there's a fist fight in the beginning of the movie on a bus, and, like, like uh, Bob Odenkirk gets, like, takes a few hits and then just, like, dishes them back out, and it's brutal, right? It's, like, a real, like, knockdown fight. And, you know, I was like, this is very different. It's not, like, you know, a very fluid-moving thing. It's just kind of, like... You know, like, he takes, like, a punch to the face and falls over and then stands back up and decks the guy in the face again, right? Like, it's just kind of, like, very, very, very crunchy, I guess is the way to put it. Um, wow. Yeah. That's honestly yeah. sweet. I think Bob Odenkirk... Bob Odenkirk really does deserve it as, like, a, a guy who's been having, like, a... He deserves like to be a, punched in the face? No, I'm saying, like, I have, like, <laughs> I have like a renaissance, yeah. you know, because, man, I just think he's a really good actor. 
I remember at the time people were really like wondering about. They were like, "Oh, can we do Better Call? Like, is is Saul Goodman a complicated enough character to make like a this spinoff show about or whatever?" And I. I don't want to. I don't want to be like the. I always knew it would be amazing. Um, but I remember thinking that you know, if anything, Bob Odenkirk is a very good actor, and I bet he. I think that he can support it. I think that he can really support like his own, you know, um, not not necessarily like Saul the character, but just Bob Odenkirk is a guy that you can put as the protagonist of a TV show, and he will kill it. Um, which ended up being the truth because. Better Call Saul is the best show on TV. Honestly, I really want to watch Better Call Saul again because I've been watching Boston Legal. Do you know that show? Yeah, I, so my my mom used to watch that show, and I would I would come down and like like from my room and like stay on TV and like sit and watch episodes with her occasionally. Apparently, it's like a very bad show from like the legal perspective. Um, this is but like this was before I was kind of like into like law as like a hobby. Oh, absolutely! Um, it is maybe one of the I mean, it's funny because it's it's by a guy that did a bunch of these lawyer shows. Uh, David E. Kelly, he did. Uh, Ali McBeal is the other lawyer show that he did, um, which I always think of as single female lawyer from Futurama. Fut- yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, the Boston Legal so, well, is William Shatner. Yeah. And, uh, and who's the other actor? Jay- James Spader. Okay, yeah, yeah, because he's he's um Ultron, right? Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, honestly, my favorite maybe in this is Rene Abardujois or something is his name. Do you know Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, um, Odo. Yeah, yeah, from Star Trek. Yeah, he is in it and as like Star- the very stuffy kind of lawful neutral, um, like chastising. You know, the 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 conceit so of the show is he... Wait, does he really just play Odo again? That's awesome. I need... Uh, Rene Aubergenois, right? Do something like that. Yeah, but yeah. He, yeah, he... Like, that's he, no, he, his character in Star Trek DS9 as well, which so, is awesome. So the, so the show... So Boston Legal is sort of predicated on... You know, it's this law firm, right? And it's this ensemble cast, right? Um, but it's really predicated on two characters, Denny Crane, who is William Shatner, who is this, like, legendary lawyer. Everybody knows him. He just says his name all the time. He's like, Denny Crane. And people, like, get it. And it's, like, a thing. Um, and then also James Spader as Alan Shore. And they are simultaneously, like, very moral people, but, like, willing to sort of, um, you know, like, like break the rules in order to get, get their way, right? So, like, for instance, something that comes up is they their client, they're, they're prepping their client for testimony. Their client reveals that they did something illegal. And Alan Shore is like, I'm going to put her on the witness stand. And, and 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 he's like, I want you to whistleblow. And she's like, no. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to put you on the stand. And under oath, I'm going to ask you these questions. Because it is the right thing to do to expose, you know, whatever, like, my shitty client's, like, drug company or whatever. Like, this is sort of the conflict of the episode. And then you have Rene Aberdujois who comes in and he's like, well, we have a duty to our client. I, you could get disbarred. And he's like, but think of all the people that this scummy drug company we represent fucked over or whatever. Um... Anyway, and so uh, and so they're like, you can't ask the witness the questions. You are going to be second chair, and the other lawyer is going to ask them the questions. So like, Alan Shore sneaks a knife on. Like, he he puts a switchblade in his co-attorney's pocket so that as they're walking into the courthouse, he he gets beeped at the metal detector, and you know, like so that kind of stuff, right? Like you know, doing the kind of chaotic good. I'm gonna do the right thing, even. 
in the wrong, like even in the wrong way, which is very opposed by, you know, Rene Abadoujois is not a bad guy in the show. He just has the interest of like the firm at heart. Um, and so that's the character he plays. He just plays the guy who is going to constantly like, you know, the rules you. But yeah, it is probably the worst legal show I could I could think of. I the only reason I know this is because I've obviously watched um, a bunch of Legal Eagle, uh, where he criticizes certain certain shows for like legal realism, and this show is full of not legal legal realism. Mostly, but I I find the most common thing that people fuck up is um, how lawyers interact with witnesses on the witness stand. Because, like, you're only supposed to ask questions. You're not supposed to ask leading questions, obviously. Um, and there are just constantly times where these lawyers will, like, turn to the jury and go, Did you hear that? <laughs> the witness stand. They said that they're bad. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of thing, which was, like, you would never do. Yeah, I mean, the, the most famous example of this is probably, um, what is it? Uh yeah, a few good men. You know, you can't handle the truth like mm-hmm. that. That that whole scene is like not a thing that happens ever, right? Like, which is funny because that is based on a real case. <laughs> like, that is a dramatization of a real thing that that happened. It's just the the finale of it is completely different. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, there's and like I, I and this might be I might have even seen this on Legal Legal myself, but I think like you know it could happen, but no lawyer that's like halfway competent would be like like as soon as they started to be like no, nope, this is over, no one's talking, right? Like you know oh yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the the defense the the defense attorney would object and the, and the judge would immediately sustain it. Yeah 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 yeah, because like you know it doesn't <laughs> yeah no and, and you know the. But yeah, that, and that's that's neat because, uh, or rather, just go back to the Boston legal thing, right? Like that is basically his entire character in DS Nine. It's it's a little bit different because he's like he's like the sheriff of DS Nine, um, and okay. he's got his own problems. But like he's very lawful neutral, um, especially when he's playing a secondary role. DS Nine's great, by the way. Um, uh, I, I have Trek never done anything through. Star Trek TV show, I guess, related. Like I've seen a, a handful of like a smattering of individual episodes, but I've never actually, like, gone deep on Star Trek, so... I feel like that's a thing for us to do at some point. Yeah, is, that is, is definitely... Uh, man, if we, ever get, if we ever get low on content, uh, <laughs> Star Trek Deep Dive is, is on the list. Starting with the animated series, because um, uh, that's, the, you know, the most important one. Uh, but no, I actually, I actually do want to go watch um, the original series um, and then TNG... Uh, just because, like, I know I watch I watch enough like Star Trek adjacent media, and I, I really like DS Nine. Um, DS Nine's like very popular in in, in this kind of like era because it's like it's the less idealistic version of Star Trek without going like full like dystopia, which some of the modern Trek's been uh, been accused of, right? Like the um like Discovery and Picard get get wrapped for like like you know. Um, TNG almost like fails because like Gene Roddenberry still alive and you know it's like there is never any conflict on the ship. This is a hard rule, and like this like just makes for spectacularly boring television. Um, because like Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future was, was kind of like the you know this this utopic future where everybody gets along and everything's great and all the challenges come from the outside. DS Nine is like 
overlaps the last few seasons of DS9, uh, or the first few seasons of DS9 and the last few seasons of TNG overlap a little bit. Um, and uh, and it's kind of like the dark side of, of the Federation um, in, in a way that you that just doesn't happen in TNG. That yeah, I, I, I mean, found. you know, I brought him up earlier in the episode, but uh, J. Michael Straczynski wrote, I mean, he, he show ran and wrote almost all of Babylon 5, and DS9 was sort of uh, like a, uh, not a, not a, like, rival, but a, uh, like the Star Trek you version cohort? of, yeah, it was like the Star Trek version of Babylon 5, right? Um, I've never watched Babylon 5. I have not watched a lot of the, the, the classic okay. nerd television shows. Yeah, I, I have never watched Babylon 5 either. All I know is that Babylon 5 has that reputation of, like, very complex interpersonal relationships, like, like political stuff happening on this space station, and that DS9 is the Star Trek sort of... You know, like, I don't want to say it's derivative or, like, fan fiction, but it's just the Star Trek version of that model, right? Um, of that kind of, like, story, of that of that story premise. Yeah, I've always, always felt it's great, you know? DS9 is a space station. It's not a, it's not a ship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's also got, like, it's got conflict from the beginning because it's... It's a, uh, it's a space station that the Federation owns... But was originally a Bajoran space station, but that was taken over by the Cardassians, who were kind of like the the villains um, when they took took when they took over. Kind of like basically, it was like where they oppressed the Bajorans from. Um, and uh, the the Cardassians have been beaten back to Cardassia, and now like the Bajorans are allied with the um, with the Federation, and so the Federation runs the station. But there's still this kind of like tension over the peace, over like the Bajorans being vaguely um, you know like vengeful. And like who's 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 and who's on the station? It's 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 uh, I don't know. I like it a lot. Um, and uh, I honestly yeah, love all these I shows. Like it. man, I went so apeshit for Battlestar Galactica uh, when the like the sci-fi original Battlestar Galactica show was out. Do you remember that show? Uh, that would also be a, a, a like a good classic sci-fi TV show. Isn't Battlestar Galactica the one that had like a run in the seventies that no one cares yeah, about? Yeah, so Battlestar Galactica had a run in the seventies with the Cylons, but like the Cylons were so influential, I guess, like just people remembered the Cylons that they made an updated version in two thousand four that was originally just a mini series, but the mini series ended up being a backdoor pilot for a real series. Because like the series the the the, the idea of, of Battlestar Galactica is the robots blow up the you know, like all of the all of the human colonies and um and there's one you know, warship that's like a battleship called the Battlestar. Uh, the Battlestar Galactica, which is like a decommissioned warship, kind of like the like the USS Enterprise, um, or I'm sorry, Intrepid. It's Intrepid in New York Harbor, right? Um, or I like so. you know, like the 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 USS uh, like Indianapolis or the Arizona. One of the ones there's like one of the ones in Pearl Harbor, right? That's like a World War II era battleship that is decommissioned and is like a museum. The Battlestar Galactica is basically that, but the Cylons attack and they nuke all of these places. And the Battlestar Galactica is the only, like, warship left. And there's this giant migrant fleet of, you know, uh, of people who are, like, trying to go from wherever to, like, the mythical homeland of Earth where humans came from or whatever. Um, and Battlestar Galactica had four or five seasons um, where the main conceit was the Cylons could look like humans. In the miniseries, you find out that the Cylons have the ability to, you know, to look exactly like 
like humans do um and it has all this like how what what is human subtext going on and i, I don't want to say it's like great you know like it, it is not the best you know mm, famously shits the bed in the last season right to be honest i like the conclusion of the series and i think the conclusion of the series is good and fine uh but there are like it's more problematic pieces throughout is what I would say. Um, then uh, it's kind of got like the J.J. Abrams problem of like, you know, um, wrapping right out the conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, there's a lot of stuff kind of in the middle that is sort of like left unresolved. And I like the conclusion of the of the show. I think it like works, but it works in kind of like a lukewarm uh, way where you, you you it is a it's the best you, you know like it's the best you can you can do you just kind of have to make your peace with it it's never going to be amazing and perfect but there's a lot of stuff in the middle that is just like oh so good you know like just these plot twists that happen and developments that are really interesting and and, and uh i don't know man that show is great i i was like obsessed with that show for like you know what it was it was one intercession it, at, right when the show ended it was an intercession and i just spent three weeks in my dorm room, like eating Southwest chickens and watching Battlestar Galactica, and end to end. That's it. That was my that was my whole intercession. Sounds about right. I one of those. I just watched like most of Seinfeld. Which is, you know, <laughs> another series that sh- like in the last episode it shits the bed. So, oh really? You know, um, the 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 finale of 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 Seinfeld is like famously panned. Um, wow, I actually did not again, know that. First, first of all. Bad legal, bad legal show, right? Like, um, and then it's also it's a clip show, right? Like, it's just it's you know, <gasps> wow, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I have watched some of Seinfeld. Uh, I watched like the first two or three seasons of Seinfeld when it came to Hulu for a million dollars for like you know a, an exorbitant amount of money. Um, I remember Seinfeld famously ended just because Jerry Seinfeld abruptly basically was like the show is ending, it is over now, like, um. And then never really went on to do anything else of note, I guess. I don't know what that was I about, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? Yeah, I guess so. B-movie. Meme classic, right? Yeah, B-movie. Yeah, yeah. I was... Something I've been oh. getting into recently is YouTubers um, uh, in, like, the, the... Right now it's called Clone Hero, which is, like, the the successor to Guitar Hero, because Activision doesn't really do Guitar Hero games anymore, but people basically, like made another version of Guitar Hero called Clone Hero, but that is, like, very user-driven, right? So people write their own charts for the oh, songs people, and everything. Oh, people don't play Frets on Fire anymore? Um, Frets on Fire was the big open-source one for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, now it's all Clone Hero, and there's a big Clone Hero YouTuber called um, Asai. And uh, and he's famous because he's really good at... He's just really good at the game. So he's getting, like, FCs all the time. Do you know what an FC is? A full combo? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in, a, in a rhythm game, an FC, just for everybody out there is when a um an fc is when you hit every note in a song right you're you're going through the song and you and you hit every possible note you never you never drop a note um and you also technically like never over fret i think is another thing where like you never hit a note that isn't there um and asai is just like a, a you know an extremely talented player of guitar of clone hero guitar hero um he has a bunch of very cool FCs. Like one of the one of the things about um, 
the Guitar Hero sort of, like, scene is that people are always trying to, like, devise, like, impossible songs. So there's one guy, I think his name is, like, Endmire or something, but he has this series called the Soulless Series, which are, like, 17-minute songs that are so technically complex that just, like, people are constantly fucking up. There's actually a whole subgenre by another YouTuber that is specifically about score progressions for really hard, you know, songs like, like, like the Soulless Series. But anyway, um... Uh, Asai has uh, quite a, quite an eye for the memes, and um, and somebody made a chart for the entirety of B movie that is an hour and a half long, but for Guitar Hero, where you are playing Guitar Hero for B movie, and he played it, uh, which I thought was hilarious. Actually, I don't know that he played it. I saw I saw the I saw a YouTube thing for it, but I didn't actually watch the YouTube video, so maybe I'm lying. Maybe he didn't actually play it, but I saw the thing. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Anyway, I, mean, I don't know that. I, I have. To, I do have to say, like the past minute of you talking about this reminded me of that like ProZD video that's like about like the you know the water enthusiast. Or it's like, I call <laughs> yeah, these yeah, a yeah. roundy. Right? <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, that's good yeah. shit. Honestly, uh, it's really made me want to get Clone Hero just so I can. Man, I really loved playing. Uh, you know, Guitar Hero when it was out. Like that was such a that was such an amazing game. It was okay. I don't know. I'm 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 a DDR boy in my heart. Fair enough. And uh and the the guitar hero rock band thing kind of like killed the uh killed, like or dominated the rhythm action space for a long time. Yeah, that um, is that is very fair. I remember people were really hype about DDR when I was in high school cuz guitar hero came out when we were in high school. Um yeah. And uh and I remember it being a thing people doing people doing uh like DDR we would have, you know, in the lunchroom or whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's about all we have time for. I think, unless you want to talk about something else, I have nothing else to talk about, I guess. So, yeah. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us about what you thought about army of the dead, or if you have the name of that movie that we can't think of, email us at some games, gmail.com or podcast at some games. Follow us at twitch.tv slash play games. You can see these live, uh, watch these on YouTube. If you want, um, did I forget to upload the last YouTube one? I probably did. Um, and, uh, what else? Uh, you can do it on Patreon, rate, review us on iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, uh, that's everything I have. Buddy, do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.